0: Welcome to the University of Adversity. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Super, super excited for today's conversation. You know, we have a lot of different people that come on the show, a lot of different stories. You know, some more inspiring than others. But, you know, once once in a while you come across a story and a person that really, really has overcome the odds, you know, like super, super inspiring, and my next guest, her name is Ashley delello she's incredible, and I remember you know doing my research on her before the the show. I was reading her story, and then I was listening to her podcast and I mentioned this in the episode too, but it was really moving. it was like you could really hear the story, the real genuine. The way the way she told it, it was emotional. Like I was almost in tears listening to it because you could tell that she was emotional telling it and she was truly, you know, being vulnerable and sharing it. And what she's been able to overcome in her life from being told when she was 13 that she was gonna die from some rare disease or some virus, the doctor's telling her she was gonna die. And it's crazy, first of all. And then for her to overcome that and to be able to go on to compete in things like Broadway dancing and very competitive professional dancing. She was a finalist. in so you think you can dance. She was in dancing with the stars. You guys, this is all like really elite professional uh, stuff. And she was, she was able to do that after being told she was going to die. Right. And that she'd never dance again. So I don't want to give away too much of the story. I'm going to let her tell it. It's really, truly inspiring. And She has been able to live to tell her story so that she can help other people become better. She's also the creator of the bio emotional healing, which we'll get into. And her podcast is called Body Freedom Radio. So we'll unpack everything, you guys. This was an amazing conversation, very, very inspiring. And I look forward to hearing your guys' comments about how you enjoyed this because I really enjoyed it. And as always, we ran out of time. I could have kept talking, but you know, after an hour, it's sometimes I just always feel it's time to kind of wrap it up, but who knows down the road, maybe we'll have another conversation. I'll probably be going on her show as well, which is also exciting. So anyways, guys, without further ado, sit back, relax. Ashley Delello coming right up. Ashley, welcome to the show. Super, super excited to have you here. I, there's so much unpack with your story and what you've been through. So, thank you so much for coming and joining us today.
2: Thank you for having me. It's an honor <laughs> to be here. I love what you do and the stories you tell. So, thank you for having me.
0: Oh, it's an absolute pleasure and you're like the perfect candidate for for this right now and you know, sometimes throughout this podcast journey, I bring people on and some people's stories are, you know, not necessarily like crazy adversity stories like there's there's adversity in every story but once in a while you come across one like this and I'm like yes like this is going to be fun like and I know there's you know I I you said something you're like your body your body was your greatest tool but also your greatest adversity and I just can't wait for you to unpack this so other than the intro that I gave in the beginning what what does your story look like where did you start off how did you what was the path that you took to get you where today?
2: Okay. Wow, it's been a long journey. Yeah. Um but it started so very young I started dancing. So my body was I mean, our body is everyone's vehicle, but it was my passion to doing what I loved. Um started dancing at 3 5 hours a day by age 7. It was just my love. And I was 13 years old and literally went from dancing 5 hours a day one day to then waking up in the morning with pain in every joint and muscle. I could hardly move. And that was the first day of four and a half years where I'd fight for my life. Um, Literally my life changed overnight. And it just went from there. It got worse and worse where I got so tired. I was so tired. Some days I couldn't even lift a finger. Um, couldn't even utter words, didn't have strength to hold a book. We went all over the country. I had every test scan known to man. Um, They couldn't figure me out. It was some rare undiagnosable virus. It was clear I was sick. My organs were shutting down, but no one could figure me out. And this was, you know, even 23 years ago. So even their understanding of viruses and infectious disease has come a long way. But then I was told, um, you know, I'd make medical history books. I was sent home from some of the top, you know, hospitals to die. Literally said, there's nothing we can do for you. Sent us home. Um, I'll never forget, probably actually one of the most momentous days of my life, because it defined how I would live my life, was I had a doctor come in. He took my mom out of the room to talk about the tests. And... I remember when he came in, it was one of those rooms too, that was like super white and sterile, you know, when there's like nothing comforting about it. And he came in and rolled up one of those stools and he gets in front of me and he takes this big breath, which I knew wasn't good, right? And he looked at me and straight out of the gate, just said to me, you need to accept that you're not going to live past your teenage years. Wow. You're never going to dance again. You're never going to live a normal, active life. Never get married. Never have children. And the sooner you accept this, the easier it's going to be to come to terms with your reality. Like Just like that. Which, I mean, I can't even begin to describe the emotions. <laughs> what that felt like. I mean, I'm 13 years old. Just been told That's my sweet. life is over and that I needed to accept it. And I remember just feeling like the greatest gut punch and looking down and thinking my life's over. But then in the very next moment, I take a deep breath and I look up at him and I said, I'm not going to accept this. And that became the defining moment really of my life back when I was 13 years old because I decided right then and there that other people's limited vision would not become my own. And if I was going to die, I would fight like hell to live, right? right? I wasn't going to just accept that this was now my life. And in fact, I had to say this multiple times to doctors. Even they would send in psychologists to talk to me. (laughs) They said I was living in denial of, you know, my reality. Yeah, really, literally, this would happen. And I mean... I'm so blessed I was born incredibly stubborn and a mother that was because, you know, they were pretty much telling me that I was crazy in terms of not accepting that I would have this terminal illness. And I remember telling to them, I know how sick I am more than you do. Like I can feel it. And there are nights I literally wouldn't sleep because I was afraid if I gave full control over to my body, that I wouldn't wake up. Like that the only thing keeping me living was my will to live. And so I would tell these doctors and psychologists, I know I'm fighting for my life better than you do. But again, I'm not gonna roll over because I know if I just accept that I'm dying, then I'm dying. Like I have no chance of surviving this if I've decided that there is no chance, Mm -hmm. right? So it was a very, very long journey and um literally a slow process and amazing miracles finding people that could help me and you know really diligent on the food i ate and the nutrition it was like everything i did was to help my immune system fight this um and it took four and a half years of literally living between life and death to where i got on the other side of not being in that life and death situation but really 13 years for everything kind of to work its way out but after six years i finally went back to dancing um which was of course the one thing i was told never i would do but i would i was riddled from there with injury after injury after injury um just one after the other, it's like the scars of what I had gone through physically through your adolescence was just like haunting me still. And it didn't matter how well I took care of my body, I kept getting hurt, which was obviously so frustrating after surviving something like that to now my body still like being my greatest enemy. It felt like, and even then I injured my back and was told, you know, you're never going to dance again. It was like so deja vu. and. It was such a long process, but fighting and fighting and keep working. I mean, the human body is amazing. I went from not being able to lift a one-pound weight to, you know, becoming a late fitness trainer and going back to dancing and dancing in 40 countries all over the world with my husband and being a finalist on, you know, So You Think You Can Dance and headlining Broadway and having all these amazing experiences to then. Three years ago, I went into my second hip surgery and where the first had been a success, and of course hard, I had to learn how to walk again. The second one, which I thought would be the same process, you know, I know how to do this. Like I know how to start from ground zero again, but everything was different this time and it failed. And as soon as I start to try to walk again, the pain spread through my whole body. And suddenly I was a chronic pain patient with health issues and it felt very deja vu, but this time as a mother and a wife and a business owner. And it was a long journey of once again being told to accept I'm a chronic pain patient now. Um, My nervous system had flipped a switch in the surgery, and I just needed to now come to terms. I had a doctor, no kidding, and it took all me not to punch him in the face. (laughs) Tell me that this happened like two years ago. He told me that I was not getting any younger, which I said was the dumbest thing I'd ever heard because my three-year-old wasn't getting younger, um, and that he said that it was only downhill from here. I mean, I cannot make this stuff up, which is mind boggling. And I told him, of course, the same thing. Like, I don't accept what your view of my life is. This isn't my first rodeo, Um, but I was more ticked off because it wasn't me. It was all the other patients that he's said that to that accepted it, you know? And so long story short, I've been, I've done every treatment known to man, Eastern Western alternative, took me on a journey like over 200 plus injections of every kind you can imagine. I paid a lot of money for what I would say is personal torture, Um, (laughs) but finally, long story short, I mean, I've been struggling to walk the last three years, um, not even able to go on a bike ride or play on the floor with my daughter, um, hold a book again, but this from a physical standpoint, not from an energy, standpoint. So I went through this journey of being so sick, fighting for my life, fighting through injuries, becoming an elite fitness trainer, professional dancer, having this amazing career, launching a fitness app, like being so passionate about taking care of our bodies. And then I went through this journey the last three years of truly, I would say it was harder. Chronic pain is a type of hell. I wouldn't, wish upon anyone. There's no escape from it. There's no relief from it. And you don't even sleep well because pain loves the night. So it is just constant hell and torture. And there's not a lot of answers for it, which led me to really diving into the brain and understanding that mind-body connection and learning how to heal the the mind-body connection, the nervous system, the brain, and rewire What had been wired from my illness and from the injuries and from pain. And I found a miracle surgery. I had one six months ago on my hip, and I have one actually in 10 days (laughs) on my scapula. But the bottom story, like the bottom line is, is that literally my body has been my greatest enemy, my greatest hardship, but also my greatest best friend and ally because we have endured some major battles and wars and we did it together and the greatest shift i think i realized was that my body wasn't fighting me it was fighting for me Mm -hmm. and the very thing making my life possible you know the human capacity the soul and the body to overcome insurmountable odds like really has no limits
0: it's amazing like and just like the powerfulness, the, the, the spirit that you have when you tell that story as well. You can really feel it. You know, like when I listen to your, I highly recommend people to go listen to your episode on your podcast, Body Freedom Radio, is that you tell it in such a way that it's just so authentic and so real that like I was almost in tears listening to it because I could hear the, the, the realness of it. And just like the, the struggle, yet you've overcome it. And it's just like, it's super inspiring. Like, I just, it's, it's amazing to hear that. And what, what I really want to do is like, go back to the beginning for a second and unpack something. Because most teenagers at 13 don't have the capacity, the mindset to navigate through something like that. And they would, most would probably accept it because mom or dad told them this and the doctor, you put the faith in the doctors that you trust to say like what they're saying is the right thing. But in this case, you didn't. How did you develop, like what was installed in you growing up from zero to 13 that allowed you the mindset to be able to say, no, this isn't this, I'm not doing this because most wouldn't have those tools. What was your upbringing like before that?
2: Gosh, you know, it's funny because I look back now as an adult and I, I interact with 13 year olds and I think, Oh my gosh, I don't know how I had the fortitude at that time. I definitely know. I mean, I believe in God. um, And I know he was there with me. He helped me. I do believe, you know, we come to earth with certain personality traits and, I know that I was born um, driven. And I do believe, you know, that dancing was a huge part of that uh, because I became very disciplined and driven at a young age um, and sacrificed, and I know, you know, you would know this and understand this, you sacrifice other things in your life for this passion because you're driven to succeed at a certain level that requires a lot of you.
1: Um,
2: And so I believe that... Love. I say all the time that I was blessed with a passion for something that drove me so deeply and I loved life too. I grew up especially with a mother that just loved life focused on the positive, was optimistic, but also she was a professor, gone to law school. She worked very hard too. So I saw like discipline and hard work with still joy and optimism, you know, and a zeal for life, right? right? So that helped shape me. And then you took a love for something that was a part of who I was, right? I felt like my body had been born to dance. So when it got taken from me, was like what is this body meant for right Mm -hmm. and the one thing they said I would never do again was dance and I know that that passion was a big driving force because I was determined to not just live but do the thing I had felt that I had been created in part to do and I'm very grateful because I know not everybody has that type of love for Mm -hmm. something and that's why i talk to so many people now about just finding that love for life in and of itself because i've lost dance the last three and a half years too and through that process i just learned who i was separate from yeah right it's something that i do but it's not who i am yeah like all of us struggle with that you start wrapping your identity put
0: yourself in that box that
2: yeah yeah persona Exactly. And then your whole identity becomes wrapped up in this thing too. Yeah. And then what do you do when you lose it?
0: Right. Oh, I, I, I talk about this, I've talked about this a lot. This is so true because you when you change that and then you have all these beliefs and these behaviors that align with that thing that you are, that you that persona, and then when you shift, there's there's like there's so much that has to go on for you to become that other thing. And we get so stuck In whatever label we wanted to be, and that, and in life, people go through different. You know, we 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 box ourselves, and people do it all the time. As you know, you're that thing, and once that thing is gone, like who are you? Who's your identity? Because you put everything into like that box. Yeah, that's where people get depressed. That's where people go. Where am I? Who am I? Like, what do I do? And, but a lot of people don't realize. Like just talking about this, majority of people don't even realize that that is happening. And mm-hmm. and that's where I think a lot of people get into like toxic habits and that kind of thing because when something like that so important is taken away from you, people don't have the tools to 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 deal with it. So they go to drink or they drugs or whatever that may be, right? Yeah,
2: absolutely. Like, I think and that's you know where I'm so passionate about teaching even especially youth now but everyone yeah there's so much emphasis on what we do and not on who we are. Yeah. You know, And, and spending just as much time on that inner game. Like yeah. what are my beliefs? Like how do I change my belief system to where I do believe I can do this and I can be this, which will allow me to then do whatever I want right? It's just, we get so caught up in the in the things that we do. And so that's kind of a long winded question, but I do believe it was a combination of a passion for something and, yeah. and a passion for life, which my mom taught me. Because yeah. if I never danced again, I just wanted to live, you know, and grow and love and learn and be here on this earth, you know, have another opportunity to become the person I wanted to. And then Man, I'm I'm stubborn as hell. Um, wow. <laughs> my poor husband, you can ask him all about that. Um, and I just I had grown up. I think, because my mom in part was so independent, like she was, meaning she had started a career at a time where women too weren't as encouraged. Um, yeah. And my mom,
0: especially I, in that field, law, yeah. like that would have been, oh yeah,
2: yeah, completely... and yeah. And I remember even. And my, she didn't need to work, right, because of, of my dad, but you know she was driven and, and she didn't show up any less as my mom. So I think that did help. I was just learned to be a strong, independent woman. So even when this doctor, this expert in his white coat, <laughs> told me, I just said he could, sh- he could shove that <laughs> where, where the sun didn't shine. And I just de- I decided then that like, I knew I was in charge of my life. If, yeah. if I chose to, and that you could, even though my body had taken so much from me, like the one thing it didn't take was my thoughts, yeah. the emotions I dwelled in, you know, and my, my choices. And not to say that, I mean, it wasn't hard. I mean, I, I can't even like put into words, you know, and I had moments where of course, there was not much left other than, you know, but that's when you, I always say like you get in your own face, and you yeah. look in the mirror and you're like, you, you either keep going or you give up. And people always say to me, like, how'd you do it? And I'm like, well, the alternative was worse. Like yeah. because if I gave up, there was no chance. Right? So It's not easy, but you just have to keep reminding yourself, like amazing things happen when we simply just like, don't give up.
0: Yeah. It's don't. just because you can get through them. Right. So what, Okay. So what was the thing they thought it was? I just want to kind of walk us through the journey here. So what did they think this illness was? Were they throwing names around oh, like weird, the scary, thing. scary names? Like,
2: I wish they had um, the scariest thing of all was no one could figure it out. Did you ever watch the TV show house when it was on? Like, yeah. Like- yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was like one of those people and house did not exist. <laughs> 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 My story, where all my tests like i was clearly dying organs shutting down i mean i looked like a prisoner from auschwitz like a concentration camp i had lost so much of my hair i was yellow from my liver shutting down wow gaunt um just yeah my eyes were all yellow my it was just crazy but i would do i would literally pray before scans and tests that it would be positive like that because if we knew what it was we can have a plan of action, right? I, they were doing all the tests and nothing. You could see my body was dying. It was, it was a rare undiagnosable virus. So they could see a virus was attacking my body, but we had they had no idea like what. And then we found out on top of that, I had a rare parasitic infection that i had the duo so the virus was wow. attacking my immune system and the, the parasitic infection a lot of people think just makes you have like stomach discomfort but there's scary parasites out there that kill you yeah. and mine had essentially taken over the organs in my body and wow. particularly all my nourishment so it was like a one-two punch that <laughs> really took me from healthy to sick overnight um which was so hard because there was no warning signs. It's insane. You know? Yeah.
0: What year? Okay. So what year are we talking here?
2: 1996.
0: Okay. So yeah. how just how old are you now? Just so I'm we have- I'm
2: 36. Oh,
0: you were the same age. 83? Yeah. 83. Yeah. Oh, perfect.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah woo. Good age. So I,
0: I always like to get context of like what year it was because like-
1: Yeah.
0: P- people- I feel like people in the nineties were just clueless about so many things. Like, especially now when we look back about health and like
1: oh yeah. walking
0: around, like the stuff people were recommending. And I guess in one, one breath, it wasn't really their fault. Cause they, they're just going off what they know, but the bedside manner of saying that you're going to die is just like, it's, it's crazy. Like there isn't another, there isn't a way that they would try and think that yeah. could heal this human that's dying. Like, you're just going to give up, like tell yeah. the patient, like there's, our bodies are so resilient and how, okay. So you're really sick. You know, you're not feeling well. How did you, how did you get through that though? Like, I don't like, especially a virus.
2: Like, um, how,
0: like what did you do? <laughs> this I, is crazy.
2: Mentally. Almost yeah. yeah, like, so physically after two and a half years, all Western medicine, every top hospital, and they said there was nothing they could do. So my family turned to alternative medicine, which oh, at that wow. time
0: was, was taboo,
2: very, like voodoo. Yeah, woo no, like Hi-
0: hippie out, hippie out on the <laughs>
2: yeah out, out,
0: like, out of the the, the mountain.
2: Yeah, yeah, back in nineteen ninety six seven eight. It was, <laughs> yeah, I come from a family of medical doctors. Oh,
1: um, that's so
2: that was. Especially, you know, but again, like my mom was just, I remember her all the times. Like we will not accept this. We will keep fighting. We will try everything. And so during that time too, which is crazy because nutrition wasn't as well understood. But for me, food became literally like life or death. It was like the food I put in my body either strengthened my immune system or it took from my immune system. And so it was like everything I ate, I had that in mind. Cause I knew I had to give my immune system every fighting chance. Um, so I did that from a nutrition standpoint, which as a teenager is, I mean, it's never easy. Imagine but,
0: everybody you know, did that when they ate, like they really thought about what that was going to do to them.
2: I say <laughs> that though, like it shouldn't be, I hope no one ever gets as extreme as me, but really it's truth for each of us. Yeah. Right? Like, the quality of our days and our lives really is affected by food. And no one can argue that anymore. Like no one. People wait till they
0: get sick before they start to eat ginger or like lemon. It's like, why don't you have that all the time?
2: (laughs) Yes. And I say all the time, I think people don't even know how good they could feel.
0: Yeah. Especially these people that these like, this is these pro athletes or these people that can eat, you know, McDonald's and still do well. Imagine what they could do without that crap. I know. You know, know, like it's like,
2: And I don't, I, I know we're all um, shaped by our own experiences, but I'm, you know, to me, sometimes I get really heated because I'm like, you are slapping your life in the face. Like for someone who fought so hard to live, like sometimes I'm going to be like, go to the cancer wings, like go see the people who are fighting to live and you're putting poison. Like you want, you know, and it's like, you are more powerful than food. Like, we, we put food on this pedestal of, like, I can't, I have no power with it. And it's like, do you want food or do you want your life? like yeah. I, You can tell I get so passionate because so many people are living less than they could be just based on what they're eating. Yeah. The links to not just physical but mental and emotional. Like, all of our depression and anxiety and attention disorders, like, they they keep showing that food yeah. has a direct effect so people are living less than their potential you know because of food and it's getting better but obviously this is a a passion of mine as well yeah
0: i know it's it's amazing i love it too i mean it's it's so important to be responsible with these kind of things especially with the knowledge out there and you have to your body you got to see what you got to test it right you got to eliminate things you know, and then you got to put it back in, and you know there, there's so many things you can do, but people are just not willing to do it they'd rather sit in that like I feel shitty zone and then just take medication instead of like yeah or some sort of like trying to get like a magic pill when right. really
2: blame your genetics yeah your body, which this is the same principle it's yeah. like you're the victim or you're the victor yeah, and because I could have given up and I would have been totally valid. Right. Because I was dying. I was in the fight of my life. I could have easily said like, okay, this is it, you know? And we, we each have these points in our life where that's why, again, I go back to like, sometimes we, you have to get up in your own face, (laughs) like, and have a hard talk and be like, listen, you are in charge. Like this, this is hard as hell. It's not fair, right? Quote fair, that word. It's, but you can't change it, you know? And I'm not saying that you want to go through this, that it's easy, that it's not one day, one second at a time sometimes, but like you got to get in your own face and be like, what can you control? Okay. You can control the food you put in your mouth. You can control the treatments you do, you know, the thoughts that you dwell in, the emotions that you feed, right? Am I feeding fear and anxiety all the time or am I feeding faith and determination by also taking action? You know, like, and it's, it's not easy, but also like the law of life is progress, right? So as long as you're doing things to move yourself forward, then that feeds that confidence. And you just have to remind yourself at the end of the day, like you can, here's the thing I would say, you can be a victim of circumstances, right? Things happen to each of us that we didn't choose. They're not fair. You know, you lost some loved ones and you know, people have horrible traumas and things that happen to them that they're a victim of. Right. I was a victim of being sick, of having the failed hip surgery, all the injuries. I didn't create that, but it was, so it wasn't my fault, but it was my responsibility then to do whatever I could to come out of it. And I think, you know, we, we like to blame. And then we're not taking accountability for what is in our power. And that's why I'm like, you gotta get in your own face. Like this level of toughness, like, talk the hardest to yourself. Like, what do you want? Like, it's hard, but you're the only person in your head and in your body. And it's, it's hard, but I think there's a level of grit and resilience that I also fear, especially with women right now with this self care movement. And I'm a huge advocate. You have to love yourself. You have to love your body. It's your home on this earth. And, but you also have to be tough and resilient to where that you have to be accountable to yourself, right? Like, but it's like, well, I'm not taking any action, but I love myself. But it's like, no, love is action. You know, yeah. so I think there's that balance. And my mom taught me a lot. Obviously, yes. I keep going back to her.
0: You, you, Your mindset, you can tell, is the reason that you've been able to get through this stuff. Like, I'm a full believer. Just hearing you speak is what allowed you to really, of course, nutrition, of course, the right things. But like, I believe that we don't value the mind as much as we should
2: at healing. Yes. And that's that's what I do now, right? I work with clients because what's amazing, and this is what's incredible, just what you said. Yeah. The, the brain, the mind is the brain in action, right? But the, the brain itself, it doesn't matter who you are, where you came from, your intelligence, your traumas, the mechanisms of the brain are the same for all of us. Mm. And we get so caught up again in that story of the identity of who we are, but the brain and its mechanisms and the ability to use it for the mind to change who we are how we live our lives the healing it's it's unbelievable and i was so desperate because i wasn't getting any answers that's what really made me delve into neuroscience and figuring out this mind-body connection and how to communicate from my brain to my nervous system to not be in fight or flight all the time because my body is a threat to my brain. So it naturally triggered fight or flight all the time, living in stress, right? Which isn't healing. So you have that. And then you have people who just choose stress and it gets our mind stuck in this survival mode. And mm-hmm. what you says is exactly right. If we can learn how to access it and use it, yeah. it, the ability to create and heal from almost anything is is truly amazing. But the hard part is that it takes constant, work.
0: That's where I think going for a goal, like, you know, I was a hockey player. I was trying to become a pro hockey player. You were a, you were a professional dancer, which I want to talk about the, the, the resilience that you need just for that alone. But that belief in the vision of wanting to get somewhere, I feel most people like say somebody has to face an injury or illness that you had, but has never had that goal or something like a sport or, or, or an achievement but somebody does have that like you had it where you had you've installed that that vision that to, to know you want to make it somewhere I feel like that projection of that professional dance that you wanted to go to or say like for myself playing pro hockey it it all works when it comes to believing and beating these illnesses as well right yes. being able to visualize being able to kind of see that you 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 can get through this shit right mm-hmm. like but i i that's why I think sports and having these things young when you're when you're a kid and having something to achieve and having to have a mindset de- develop your mindset is so important because later in life you're going to get thrown curveballs you're going to get punched in the face, and if you if you don't have the tools to see past that thing in the mindset and the strength you're screwed yeah. you know and this is the thing too, is like, I'm interested in, okay. So you started to heal, right? You obviously, okay. So you use Eastern medicine. You started to eat differently, think differently. So walk us through the path to like your pro dancing, because this is, this is crazy. One minute they say you're going to die. You're never going to dance. And then here you end up, you know, Broadway dance with the stars. So you think we could dance all this stuff. What was that path like?
2: A long one, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so my body, and then I, yeah, I started to do like natural medicine, homeopathic medicine, all these things, essentially to help my immune system fight the virus, yeah. right, and the parasitic infection. It literally was a journey of being able to sit up on my own, to walk to the bathroom on my own, and to walk a block you know slowly but surely and then when I started to get just energy and reserves back then in order to dance again that's what took me to strength training because I had to build up muscle which is where my love for fitness comes because I've experienced firsthand like I said not being able to lift a one pound weight to you know being very strong and feeling capable you know and I think that's so empowering in of itself um and so then and like I said with the injuries I had to keep starting over because I you know every time you've had an injury you know if you've experienced it it's like starting at base yeah, one teaching terrible. your muscles how to fire properly and work together and that's a mental challenge in of itself because you have to believe it before you see it or experience yeah. it right and then that fear comes in too of trusting your body to yeah. work again um And that's a good character building process. Like I wouldn't wish injuries on anyone, but it builds that mental toughness again, right? So then it was always, the thing is, is as my career went, it was always a fight because I had to keep rehabbing. Even I went back to ballroom, which is a competitive sport, different than other dancing. It's crazy. It's more like ice skaters in that train to compete. And I'm telling you, this is where the mind also comes in because. I hadn't danced for six years. Age yeah. third, like 14 to almost 20, that's like your prime time of developing your skill, right? I mean, you're, you're way too late if you're coming back at 20, right? But the amazing thing is, is that I hadn't physically experienced dance, but I danced in my mind all six years and in my heart and when i would be doing um exams and scans for hours i would spend that time visualizing myself dancing and it's weird because it was instinctual but what i didn't understand is that i was actually establishing those neural connections And, you, and I know you've read about it and studies continue to show that the brain doesn't know the difference, right? Between something you've actually done and something you've created when you do it with the right visualization and emotionalizing. Dr.
0: Joe Dispenza special. Yes,
2: yes. I love that man. Yeah. I love him. And it's crazy because he wasn't talking about this back in 1996. But I remember being in scans for hours and crying but not out of sadness, but joy, because I was feeling myself dance at such a high level again. And I know, and I didn't even understand it then, but I know that's why I was able to come back so fast after not dancing for six years. And not that that alone took a lot of courage, because I had to step back in the dance studio when all my friends had had six years more than me
1: wow
2: i I left very confident in my ability and here now i was 13 14 when i finally left and here i'm like almost 20 so now i'm a woman you know that itself that was that took a big um you know leap being humbled but hungry you know um So then I, I was able from there to dance. I met my husband. He's a ballroom dancer. We competed against each other amazing. while we dated.
0: <laughs> so awesome.
2: <laughs> which, which added some spice, you know? It was For good. sure.
0: That's amazing.
2: Yeah. yeah. But we didn't want to confuse the relationship with like a dance partnership. So we got married. And from there, we performed in 40 countries over the world and I studied political science and history and he studied business and PR so we came home and I was gonna go to grad school and he started working for a financial firm and we're like this isn't it and we saw something come up to audition for so you think you can dance and like let's just do it and that season 15,000 people auditioned
1: Wow and
2: and there's ten spots for girls and 10 spots for boys and so we auditioned separately and um just you know the stars aligned i mean i know we worked really hard you know but like i always say you know luck shows up when you work really hard you know yeah. but we were the first married couple the only married couple that's ever made the show um and so we competed against each other the whole season with different partners and went to the final both of us so we got to dance together in the final and then we had an opportunity to headline a broadway show after that and you know but through all this the amazing thing is right before so Think you can dance i had another injury and was told i wasn't going to dance anymore
0: you're like Um, you're
2: like no exactly and on so you think you can dance actually in the semifinals, i dislocated my right shoulder and did eight tears and i actually had to but i got voted into the finale so i had to sign a waiver with Fox television.
0: What year was this?
2: 1999. No, 1999, 2009.
0: 2009.
2: 2009. Yeah. So I danced the last week in the finales with eight tears in my shoulder, which now I can say I had to totally lie at the level of pain I was in. Wow. (laughs) Because they had the girl that went home staying there in case I couldn't dance and so, I had to rehab that injury after the show to then before we could go to Broadway. And then on Broadway, I tore the LCL in my knee and had my first hip issue and had surgery after that on my first hip. And so, I think, but the story with that is, I think people. It's crazy. <laughs> I know. I I had my times. You're with one God. tough
0: cookie. Wow.
2: Oh my gosh. <laughs> Believe me, I had my times with God going, um, really? Like, really you know wow. but what i think is what i think the value in this and again i wouldn't wish this on anyone but i think we often feel like people have a hero story and they overcome something great and then life is good to go you mm-hmm. know and obviously mine's been a little more extreme but it's it's important to know that because life is always going to challenge us in different ways and again, we always decide what we focus on, but I always say, and we we hear that you can grow through it or you can go through it. Like you can mm-hmm. survive it or you can thrive through it by becoming a better person through it. Yeah. Um, and so it equipped me for more, but I think it just goes to really like not giving up. Right. And, yeah. and life is worth to continue to keep fighting you know? And yeah. if I wouldn't be here had I just not kept searching and growing and gone within. And like, what is the power of my mind? Like, I wouldn't be sitting here today. I wouldn't mm. be where I am. And the tragedy is all of us have been told at some point in our life, what our limits are, right? And that we're not good enough, or that's not possible for us. And we want to hold on to that as our story and again that's not the tragedy because that's all of us have been there right to one extreme or another like the tragedy to me is that people listen to it yeah they take it as truth you know for their life instead of fighting it instead of thinking okay the journey's hard it might not turn out exactly as i wanted to but I'm going to grow through this. So now I become the person who can handle and be what I'm supposed to be. And then the doing comes, right. you know, um, life is, <sighs> I, I, but I feel like we're coming to the, the end.
0: <laughs> have you, have you ever, or do you, maybe do you work with athletes on because there is definitely got a demand for helping people get through that mindset, that block when you're injured to walk them through visualiza- visualization. Like, do you do you work with, I feel like that would be such a valuable thing. Like, because a lot of people can't visualize properly. Yeah. Like yeah. athletes. I know when I was playing hockey, we were told visualize being in the moment and all this stuff, but until you hear about somebody that's gone through and actually done that and like all the injuries you've gone through and the fact that you went professional after all that, and then you've been injured again. And that obviously works. Like yeah. visualization works.
2: It does. Um, you know, like, you know, my focus has so much been on like chronic pain and help people. But actually that's been, I've talked about my husband about that because yeah. it's such a mental game. It is. And hard to understand unless you've really been there yeah Um, and so i would i mean i that's another avenue i would love to explore because it's the mental aspect too of not just visualizing it happening again trusting your body to happen again but also getting over the fear and anxiety Mm. of it happening again with you getting hurt right because the hard thing is is that if you are an athlete you're going to still feel physical pain and discomfort, right? Like we used to take seven minute ice baths after every show. Cause we did eight shows a week. Like
1: yeah, crazy. your
2: body hurts. Right. And so, but once you've been injured, you get in that loop of fearing pain. Right. Cause yeah. Oh no, am I getting hurt again? Anyway, that's something I would love to do To One thing I, yeah, I, I just, a lot of things, but yeah, I,
0: I just, I was like, wow, I wish I had somebody like her. Like uh, just because we That's what you need. You need that mindset, and that's usually what it is. And what I want to talk about as well is: Do you use that in visualizing, like your your career and your business? Do you put yourself into that sort of where you want to be in your career? Do you do the same sort of things?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I. It's it's key. So they've even shown that most by the time we're thirty five years old, right, our subconscious mind does 95 to 98% of our thinking, mm. right? That's crazy, based That's on insane. the programming, which is kind of ticks you off, right? Yeah,
0: it's like, and, I want control.
2: I know, <laughs> I, when I, I remember I was like 34 when I first really started really delving deep in this, because I spent the last few years, and I was like, what? Because I, I was like right at that cusp, and I was ticked because also I was like, man, so much of our youth affects us, and we're like not at the capacity to, comprehend that so the reason why i said that is so most people just live by the subconscious programming so they're not actually really present in their life Mm. right and taking charge and we just keep living the same experiences over and over again and our past is what is holding us right to where we are and that's why the visualization is so important um because people are waiting all the time to experience it once it's here right but you have to it's like you have to take that leap and then trust will find its way you have to from even from an emotional standpoint you have to give yourself that hope right in something greater but even from a neuroscience standpoint when you do that and you do it with the emotions attached to it right it actually puts new neural networks in the brain, Mm. which is amazing. So whether you're someone who loves like the secret or affirmations, or you're someone who's super scientific, and I'm like a mix of both, I I always want to understand why, right? So if you're just the most scientific person, visualization has been proven with neuroscience, neuroplasticity, the nerves that fire together, wired together, right? When you actually do this, you are changing the neural networks of your brain so it's been proven now by science to be necessary right mm-hmm. so I, I absolutely do that and some days are better than others you know of
0: course.
2: um but it's again like everything it's a practice you know and mm-hmm. that's why I always tell people make sure you're giving as much time to your inner game as your outer game because your mm-hmm. inner game is what determines all the outer experiences we have right mm-hmm.
0: So true. So does that go in line with, so let's talk about bio, your bio emotional healing. That's your business, right? Yeah. Is that all, that's all kind of, yeah. Let Explain that to us. Yeah. It's super yeah. Interesting.
2: yeah. So my involvement, right. I, I had a fit. I still do. I have a fitness yeah. nutrition app that was all based in taking care of your body from a place of love and health, right. Which now has kind of become a big thing that wasn't as much then, um, especially for women. And, but then through my experience the last three years with chronic pain, when I just could not find answers and everything I was doing, nothing was working. I was just told my nervous system had flipped a switch, which they say then gives you, um, you know, fibromyalgia and all these other things. And I just, again, thought, you know, I just don't accept this. (laughs) I'm not going to be a chronic pain patient the rest of my life. I have too much to do and I have a child I want to show up for and you know, um, I'm not going to accept this. And so I thought, well, I continue to search for the physical thing that I need, right? Like the right treatment, the right surgery, because it has to be mind, body, and soul, right? We get into danger where it's just physical or it's just mental or it's just emotional. Like it has to have all three. So I thought until I figure out what the physical thing is, that needs fixing right um, i 'm going to figure out my brain because I, I've learned what 's scary is the more that your nervous system activates pain pathways in a certain way, the more it gets programmed to do it again so when you 've had pain long enough that 's why it becomes so chronic it actually embeds in your nervous system because um, your brain right cares only about your survival, that's it. Our brains are wired to help us survive. And so when you have a threat, that's why we fight or flight, that's why the caveman could run, right? Have fight or flight, be safe from the bear, and then they would recover. So, but when you are sick or have illness, you're living in the threat to your brain, right? So your brain triggers your emotional brain, which is what sends you into fight or flight, and every time you feel that pain or something similar this cycle happens and over time your brain becomes hypervigilant and hypersensitive to that area of your body so even normal stimuluses become threatening and the brain creates more pain like, and I got to be so honest when I started saying this I was pissed like I was like okay I had a failed surgery And it created this pain but even if i find the right surgery i now have chronic pain wired into my nervous system that i have to fix like so again i was like this sucks this isn't fair but then on the flip side because we can always reframe something right i was like okay i can be mad or i can go to work and figure this out and be empowered that when i'm being told there's no solutions i have this amazing brain that I, whatever's been wired can be rewired, right? Cause the brain is plastic. It's malleable for our whole life. Oh. So I started to really study it and make these connections from what I was reading to what I was experiencing now and the past 23 years. Right. And the whole impact with, um, because the brain also perceives physical threats and emotional threats similarly. So whether you have pain, you get more fear, but also if you feel fear, you can actually increase more physical pain. So it's just this vicious loop of pain, thoughts, emotions, the brain feels validated, keeps sending stress hormones and your body gets stuck because you're trying to heal this body that still has the symptoms that's triggering your brain to protect you. So it's like a whole new level of effort, but it's, It led me to develop this because chronic pain and illness, but let's just go further, chronic anxiety and depression and fear is ruling people's lives, right? And so, like I said, the mechanisms of our brain are each the same. So I started developing this program because you can't just hack the brain. In fact, because I know we live in a world where we want to hack everything, but the brain is smarter than us. And that's why the brain will be like, nope, that's fine, but I know what to do. Thank you. So you have to go through this process uh, yeah, the brain's like, cool, you do that. But I do all these things that I just do and you have no say over, right? Like right now we're breathing, we're moving. Our brain is doing that for us. Yeah. Right. Um, so you have to go through this process. I realized a first accessing the brain, the subconscious mind, where, you know, all these programs are set then you have to like coax it <laughs> to now let go of the old programming so you can start installing new connections, new neurological software. And there's, you know, a, a long step process, about an eight week program that takes people. It's just, it's really amazing. And what I love about it is, like I said, our brain's mechanisms are all the same. So where people feel like, Well, they're smarter than I am. They, you know, they didn't have this trauma or, or, you know, they had this background. It's like we were each given this innate intelligence in our brains that we can all access to help our bodies heal or to help us get out of the cycle of anxiety, the cycle of fear and insecurity, even all of that is part of this loop from the severity of chronic pain and illness to just the chronic habitual thought loop of insecurity and fear mm. and anxiety, and the brain gets stuck there. And that's why people are like, I know on a conscious level, I shouldn't feel this way, but yet I do. And it's understanding that it's the subconscious mind. And that's why, like, just saying affirmations and things isn't enough. It's like pulling out the weed and leaving the root. Mm. And it's so empowering though, to now understand this and help people like truly change their life. Like not just get tools, yeah. but rewire how they think, emotionally respond and how they act. And it's-
0: how, how can this freaking amazing stuff? Like, it just fascinates me. Like, how does somebody, how can somebody on their own start fixing? Like, how does somebody say someone's got anxiety or somebody's got some sort of loop pattern. Is there anything that we can do on a daily basis to kind of help that, that start that engine going again or get out of that path?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So obviously my program, which is, is like, goes super in depth, but I have something you can actually, it's, you can get it to free download. Um, It's the freemindbodyblueprint.com and it's to help you get out of this loop. So it's, it's something that I call the acronym ACT, and it's to help you get out of that fight or flight, that negative thought loop. The first thing is, so if we go through ACT and people can go there and download it and have it.
0: We'll have it in the show notes. We'll have everything. Yeah,
2: perfect. Yeah. Um, because I know not everybody's at that place of being able to do an eight-week program. I want people to have some tools to start mm. now. So just going through each point briefly, the A stands for awareness because most of us aren't even aware that this subconscious loop is happening. It, because it's us, it's what we know, it's familiar to us, it's just who we are. So it's asking us to become another level of awareness of ourselves. So what triggers me to feel anxiety or mistrust? What triggers physical pain in my body? What f- triggers me feeling insecure? Okay, what is this awareness? Because what am I thinking right now? What am I feeling right now? what are my actions right now? That's part of the subconscious programming that now has become habitual, right? Habits are subconscious programming, meaning they happen without us thinking about them, right? So understanding this is first because I didn't have this awareness for 23 years of my life. I didn't know that my experiences had helped establish this thought pattern, pain pattern that was now embedded in my nervous system. And thoughts are the same way, right? Mm. Just like I told you, the more your uh, nervous system activates pain pathways, the more it does it again, thoughts are the same way. The more thoughts you think the same over and over again, they now become the thoughts your brain thinks the easiest. So if I've spent a lot of my life thinking anxious thoughts or self-doubt thoughts, I have established those neural connections in my brain and now those are the thoughts my brain recalls the fastest. So, awareness, knowing your triggers. What am I thinking, feeling, saying, acting right now? Then see connecting to the body. Now, the body stores all our emotions, right? Thoughts are the language of the brain, emotions are the language of the body. And emotions drive us more than anything else right? And especially pain, physical or emotional pain. So you've got to connect with your body first with breath and then interrupting the questions. Now, breath, we know is well established to be beneficial, right? But again, I want to know why. So I started studying it and
0: You mean meditation as in breath?
2: Breath or just breathing,
0: just breathing. Okay. Okay.
2: Breathing in and out, right? Because 80% of the fibers of the vagus nerve, which connect our brain to a lot of the organs in our body are afferent. So they run from the body up. So we can actually control our arousal system, that fight or flight response by breath alone. So interrupting the start of that negative thought loop or that physical pain loop with breath, four breaths, four counts in, four counts out. That helps desensitize the brain's triggered threat response. Hmm. And then you interrupt it with questions. And that's very personal to what your situation is. But one thing everyone can do, because the brain triggers this when it doesn't feel safe, both physically or emotionally. So you just ask your brain, ask yourself, Do you feel physically safe? Do you feel emotionally safe? Right, so we're calming down the circuits with the breath and now we're interrupting that threat response with questions. Then T, take control of thoughts and actions. Okay, because every time we let this run, it further embeds in our system, every time. So we now have to take control of our thoughts. So what am I thinking? What's the opposite of that? right? It's like the four minute mile. We all know that story, right? Everyone thought it was impossible until somebody did it. And now we have high school students who've done it because it was this new level of belief. So you can do that same thing with your brain. Even before you believe it, start thinking it. So take control of your thoughts and then actions. What is one step you can take? Because what happens is in this instance, we'll think, okay, get from A to Z, right? Get from anxiety to no anxiety. Well, when you go that big of a distance, your brain will trigger that threat response again, right? Because that's Mm -hmm. threatening. So you say, what is one small action step I can take right now? And that takes that threat response down. So ACT, Mm A-C-T, You can download it, read more about it. That's just the baseline. And every time that we can interrupt that negative thought loop, that negative behavior loop, it's you're teaching your brain, your body, and your nervous system to react in a different way. Like It doesn't always need to scream with anxiety or fear or pain to get your attention. So
0: It's fascinating. Yeah. Wow. Crazy stuff, this brain. It's like... <laughs> it's amazing where can everybody find you i want to make sure it's all clear for in the show notes we can check out your work and find you everywhere you are
2: yeah so i just launched my podcast um body freedom radio i'm really excited to start that so you can you know subscribe there i just launched a youtube channel you know ashley D. on youtube thank you and then um my website is ashleydillo.com i know you'll show in the show notes. Cause I swear, I spell my name weird. Ashley You can go to the free to get this, this act we just talked about with the bioemotional healing on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Ashley D. Amazing. With me everywhere. I It's want people a, to know they have no limits, you know, and what they can do and accomplish.
0: You're a natural for a podcast. Like, uh, like no doubt. I'm not just saying that just the way you, you you like to, you like to talk just like I do. Like, I love to, you know, (laughs) it's just like, it's fun to be able to express things that you're interested in. And like someone like yourself, it's like a no brainer to see them have a podcast because you'll do so well with it because your energy, people, people, people get hooked on that energy, you know? And, and the fact that you're so passionate about what you're speaking about, that's people will want to come back for more. Right. And it's, that's why podcasting is such an amazing thing.
2: Yeah. Know? I mean, we live in such a world of information. Yeah. You know? And that's that's amazing. You know, we didn't... Even... That makes us sound old, but like, right? You had to go to the library, you know? I didn't I
0: didn't have a computer until I was in grade 12.
2: <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. I told someone the other day and they about died. I remember my freshman year in college <laughs> saying, why do I need an email? You know? Yeah. Like...
0: <laughs> what? Oh, it's...
2: So it's it's like it's not new, but yet it's it is, yeah. You know? um, well, we
0: our generation, we lived through both. We have an interesting generation. We lived through where we didn't have any of it, and then all of a sudden, it's like everywhere because yeah. you know graduated two thousand and one, and then from there until two thousand ten, like I don't know what happened.
2: Changes. Like I, know. I don't know
0: what happened.
2: Now I have a five year old who thinks it's just totally normal to. Call someone on my phone and talk to them face to face through oh. video. You know that and used so- to seem
0: like the craziest thing. <laughs>
2: <I know>. Back <laughs> to the picture, you know. Oh my God. <laughs> but yes, so oh. um, thank you. I'm excited for this year, and um, I just want to my chronic pain coaching program. So I have two programs: one for chronic pain and health issues, and then just people with anxiety, fear, mistrust, insecurity. And one of my themes is always been, you know, turning pain into purpose. Amazing. And I am ready to fly with this purpose because there's too many people suffering unnecessarily. You know? Yeah,
0: it's inspiring. Very inspiring. I'll, uh, I'll just end it with one last question here. What is, obviously, you I mean, you've been taught many lessons here, but what is one lesson that adversity has taught you? For like that, that main thing.
2: <laughs> yes, I know. That's a heavy one, huh? So I'll say it by first saying something that's truth that once pissed me off. Um, when people would say to me when I was dying, they'd be like, Isn't this a gift? You know, and I'd want to hit them in the face. Um uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> because I'd be like, too, like, you're not going through this, you know? But I understand it was coming from a good place, right? Yeah. So turn that on its head. The re what why where that stands true is that. It's not what you're going through that's the gift. That's hard as hell. That is push you to the depths of your limits. That is some nights you're barely holding on. It's one second at a time. It's the opportunity to come face to face with who you are, who you will become, and what you're going to make of your life. That's the gift, right? The hard is the hard but if we can choose to see it from that standpoint then that's the greatest gift adversity gives us in our life because it truly then does turn our pain into purpose.
0: Wow, amazing. Amazing. This is so much fun and like it's crazy like the time just flies. It's yeah. Like- it's well,
2: thank you. Same with you. I uh, mean, and I just love again this platform that allows us to connect with people that we yeah. never would have crossed paths, you know, yeah. otherwise. You know, so.
0: for sure. Amazing. And we'll make sure everything is clear for people to come check you out. And yeah, this was this was really great. I really, really appreciate it.
2: Thanks for having me, Lance. <laughs> appreciate it. Love what you're doing.
0: Well, thank you very much. Ashley Delello, everybody. Hope you guys enjoyed that. It was an amazing episode. I loved recording it. I got so inspired from that. Make sure you check out Ashley. She's All her information's in the show notes. Go follow her on Instagram right now. She's got really inspiring stories um, in her Instagram stories, great content. And she is making a difference in the world and creating massive impact. So if you got if you got anything out of this episode, take a screenshot of it, tag us, share it in your Instagram stories, share it with a friend. Or if you could leave us a review on Apple, you know, let us know. Anything you can do to share this episode, it all helps. I hope you guys don't realize how important reviews are. They're super, super important at helping our, you know, it's all about these algorithms and the more reviews you get, the more of these things that happen, the more it boosts the awareness of the show. So I truly appreciate it when you guys do. And I hope you got a ton of value. So have an amazing day, everybody. Take care. We'll catch you next time.